Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 7. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I meet people that tell them I'm a pastor and they go, Really? Especially people from the old block, you know. Hey, what you doing? Well, I work for trash company. I work for SEPTA. SEPTA's the city driving system, city bus system. I work for, yeah, what do you do? I'm a pastor. What? <laughs> There's a God somewhere. I'm, I'm like, yeah, that's what I spend my life telling people. Exactly. I look at my own life and think, who am I that you have bought me? This far. You need to look at your life. You need to look at your life and think, look, look, just because you're not pastoring a church and maybe you have a job and you've got, you know, life, you go to work and you come home and you do, you know, God has brought you a mighty long way. I don't care where you are in life. God has brought you a mighty long way. And you need to say, who am I that God has brought me this far? He didn't have to let you live today, but he did. You woke up this morning, did you not? Huh? He kept your heart beating in the night when you were sleeping. He never sleeps nor slumber. You do. That's called the faithfulness of God. Where am I saying that? That's called the faithfulness of God. Who am I? Love that statement. We could talk about it all night long. Who am I that... You have brought me this far. Again, don't know a man nor a woman that God has used that would not say amen to that statement. Even Isaiah chapter 6 verse 5, Isaiah said, So I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Woe is me. David said, in verse 19, look at it. Let's move forward. I can't believe it. It's 814 already. This was nothing to you, God. It's a small thing in your sight. God, you've been talking about your servant's house. Remember, I told you when God talks about a house, he's talking about a dynasty. David wasn't allowed to build God's house, but get this. But he did what he could. What did he do? Well, First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 2 and 3 tell us, Now for the house of my God I have prepared with all my might gold things to be made of gold, silver for things of silver, bronze for things of bronze, iron for things of iron, wood for things of wood, onyx Stones, stones to be set, glistening stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and marble slab in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of God, I have given to the house of my God over and above 
all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. Listen, David wasn't, leave that verse here for a second, please. David wasn't allowed to build the house of God, but he did what he could. He did what he could. And that is get things together for Solomon so that he could build God's house. He wasn't jealous or, uh, you know, man, he, I can't do it. So I'm not, I'm taking my marbles and going home. I can't do it. So I'm not going to even be a part of it because I can't be the head of it. I, I'm not going to. No, David didn't do that. He got things together and he gave. I have prepared for the holy house my own special treasure of gold and silver. He got things together so that things would be nice when Solomon's time came to build the temple and to build the house of God. And we all need to have that mindset to make God's house pretty. Huh? Why are we so concerned with our own house and we're not concerned with the house of God? God had a real problem. Read Haggai, or some people pronounce it Haggai, chapter one. God had a real problem with Israel. Because they were fixing up their own houses. My saints know what I'm talking about. They were fixing up their own houses, paneling the walls and landscaping the front. And they left God's house undone and, 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 and in shambles for 14 years. And every time somebody came to them about, hey, let's get to God's house, they had an excuse as to why they couldn't do it. Why they couldn't get to God's house, but they were taking care of their own house. Saints, that's a word for us. Let's be mindful that we are taking care of God's house as well as taking care of our own house. We absolutely need to take care of our own house. But you need to take care of God's house too. If this is your house, then let's pull together and take care of it, all of us. It's not my house. It's God's house. And we are God's people who live in this house. Am I right about it? We're God's people who live in this house. Therefore, we ought to give to this house. It's not biblical. Listen, I'm only saying this to help you. It is not biblical for you to tithe to another ministry of any kind until you have first given to your own house. That's the order of things. Thank you. Thank you. And, and you know what? I've said this before and I'll say it again. I, I, I don't know how people can come to God's house, feed in God's house, rejoice in God's house, receive in God's house, be blessed in God's house, worship in God's house, and not give anything to God's house. I don't know how, I don't know how you can do that in conscience. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you do it because it's God's house. And we know that just like it takes money to pay the CP&L bill at your house, God's house is the same way. And we've got to paint the walls when all y'all handprints is all over it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh-huh. We got to paint the walls and we got to fix the door because we've opened it like 10,000 times this month. And the hinges are wearing. We've got to fix that stuff. 
And the inspector comes by and says the exit lights are out. You need to fix those. And 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 and, and it's always one thing after another. The chairs wear thin, and 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 there's always something to to do in God's house, like your house. So why is God's house any different than your house? Let's not be those kind of people because I can tell you, God doesn't bless that. God blesses people when they make his house a priority. And I'm going to leave it right there. I'm going to leave it right there. David, look at verse 20. What can David say to you? Because you know your servant This is a great place to be. David said, God, I don't have anything else to say. David is overwhelmed by the promise of God to build him a house. What David says, what can I say? Now, remember, David was a songwriter. David was a poet. David was a verbal man. But now he's tongue-tied and silenced by God's grace and kindness. I get the impression that David is processing all of this and is still sinking in. David said, God, you've done all these things in verse 21 for the sake of your word. And according to your own heart, you have done all this greatness to let your servant know. David is overwhelmed. He says, Lord, you've blessed my life. You've blessed my house. You brought me from leading sheep to the throne. Who am I? You know what David is doing? He's sitting down counting his blessings. Somebody once said, y'all know, huh? Count your blessings, name them one by one, and look and see what God has done. That's awesome, isn't it? Count your blessings, name them one by one, and look and see what God has done. If you sit down and count your blessings and name them one by one, you will see what God has done. God has done great and awesome things. He might not have done things the way you want them done, but he has done great and awesome things. And that's what David, I'm waiting while you clap. Go ahead. I'll wait while you clap. That's awesome. Point number two, let's move forward. David promises or praises God for the past providence in verses 22 through 24. We've already read it. Providence means, if you don't have this written down, might want to write this down. Providence means the supernatural arrangement of natural events. The supernatural arrangement of natural events. Providence is not to be confused with good fortune, fate, or luck. Everything that happens to you is brought to you by the providential hand of God. Here in the text, David talks about God's providence in choosing Israel in the past. You are great. Look at verse 22. Oh, Lord God, there's none like you, nor is there any God beside you. In other words, God is God alone, and there's no other true God. There is no God like our God. He's a great and awesome God. And David says, this is what we've heard all throughout our history. God has done great things for David, but not just for David. God has worked in and through David to fulfill his promise to Israel. Verse 23 and 24 recount the greatness of God. You can see in his works God redeemed Israel from Egypt and made a name for himself. In verse 24, you have made yourself, your, your, your people Israel, your very own people forever. And you, Lord, have become their God. You've made your people Israel, your very own people, for how long, saints? Forever. You know, there's a lot of forevers in this chapter. Look at verse 13, a forever throne. Verse 16, a forever kingdom. 
Verse 24, a forever nation. Verse 25, a forever promise. Verse 29, a forever blessing. You've made your people Israel your very own forever. It's always been God's plan that blessing the world would come through Israel. I think of Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house to a land that I'm going to show you. And I'm going to make you a great nation. And I'm going to bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and curse him who curses you. And in you, watch this, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It's always been God's plan to be a blessing to the world through Israel. Our final point, David prays, number three, for the future promises. In verse 25 through 29, we've read it. David lays before God the promises he made to him. Now, verse 25, O Lord God, the word which you have spoken concerning your servant and his house, establish it forever and do as you have said. David boldly asked God to do what he promised. Y'all stay with me. David boldly asked God to do what he promised. This wasn't passive prayer that said, God, do whatever you want. Do whatever you want to do. I don't really care one way or the other. It wasn't a passive prayer. And this was an arrogant prayer that said, God, let me tell you what to do. This was bold prayer that said, God, here is your promise. I trust you to fulfill it and to be faithful to your word. David said, God, you made promises to me, and I'm asking you to fulfill those promises according to your word. Somebody once said, what God has spoken cannot be broken. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall never pass away. Are y'all getting this? Heaven will pass away. Heaven will pass away. The earth will pass away, but the word of God will never pass away. Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God's word always succeeds. And when God makes a promise, he plans to fulfill it. When God makes a promise, he plans to fulfill it. Now you fulfill it, he will fulfill it. The word of God always, God always fulfills his purpose through his word. And his word will always have its effect. And that's why it's important for pastors and teachers and leaders to teach the word of God. Teaching is so critical. You know, I think in the church, we've just historically got used to preaching on Sunday morning. But teaching God's word, first of all, is what the saints need. The saints need to be equipped and strengthened with the word of God. Because when you're out there, outside of these doors... Then when things come at you and life comes at you fast, God's, you'll have God's word to lean on. You have God's word to look to. Am I right about a coach? You'll have God's word to look to. You have God's word to lean on. You have God's word to call upon in a time of trouble. You have God's word to, 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 to quote 
and to speak. You ever find yourself speaking God's word and you like don't even know how you know that? That happens to me. I studied the Bible for a living. I'm, I'm like, I didn't even know I knew that. Wow, that was awesome. Or you speak and you're like, man, I should have wrote that down. That was good. I preached to myself. I blessed myself. Amen. You have God's word. God's word will, will, will do it. God's word is effective. In verse 27, look at it. Therefore, your servant is founded in his heart to pray this prayer to you. David said, I'm only praying because you promised. You told me this is what you wanted to do. Now, listen close. Just because God promises something doesn't mean we possess it. Listen to me close. Just because I'm almost done. Just because God promises something doesn't mean we possess it. We have to appropriate it. We've got to appropriate God's promise. Appropriate means to lay hold of it. We've got to grab hold of God's promises and we've got to believe God's promises and we've got to trust God's promises and we've got to apprehend God's promise. That sounds like what, what uh, um, uh, uh, Paul said uh, in Philippians. He said that it was his desire to apprehend that for which he had been apprehended to do. In other words, Paul said, I want to grab hold of the thing in life that God has grabbed hold of me to do. That I might apprehend that which I've been apprehended for. That's what that means. So we have to apprehend God's promises. I'm trying to help you. We, we need to lay, we got to lay hold of God's promise. You can't, you know, it's one thing to know God's promise. It's another thing to believe it. It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to believe it. It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to apprehend it and lay hold of it in faith. God's promises. And if you don't lay hold in faith, God's promises, they will be left unclaimed. If you don't lay hold of God's promises, they are left unclaimed. We have to appropriate his promise for forgiveness. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. We have to appropriate his promise for peace. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We have to appropriate his promise for guidance. In Psalm 32, verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go, and I will guide you with my eye. Mm, that's a sermon in by itself. I don't have time. We have to appropriate his promise for growth and maturity. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. We have to appropriate his promise for help. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace and help in a time of need. We got to appropriate the promises of God. We got to grab hold of them and believe them, not just know them. Not just know them, but believe them. Notice David said, your servant found it in his heart to pray this prayer to God. I found that really, really interesting. Look at verse 27. 
Your servant found it in his heart to pray this prayer to God. He didn't find this prayer in a book. He didn't find this prayer from another minister's head. The right place to pray is from the heart. And the right position to pray is from the heart, not from the knees. You know, we teach our kids, now get on your knees and put your hands together and bow your head and your heart and let's pray. We're going to talk to God. And we just somehow in our heads, we think on our knees is the prayer position. Listen, on your knees is a prayer position, but the prayer position is in your heart. You pray. Your prayers should be coming from the heart. David said, you found, your servant found it in his heart to pray this prayer to God. The only acceptable prayer position is a humble heart, a prayer from the heart. One more thing about prayer. Look at verse 27 again. David found it in his heart to pray this prayer to God. David came before God to pray this prayer. David actually did pray. You know, some prayers are never prayed. Like an arrow never shot. Some prayers are said and some prayers are read. And some prayers are thought, but not prayed. This prayer was prayed. You are God. And your words are true, verse 28. This was David's foundation of faith. He knew that God was God. He knew every word that came out of his mouth can be trusted. He knew every word was true. He knew that God can be trusted. Now, therefore, verse 29, you have spoken concerning your servant and his house, confirm it forever, and do, watch the saints, I'm coming in for landing, look, do, verse 29, do as you have spoken. The thrust of verse 27 is thy kingdom come. The thrust of verse 28 is thy will be done. Do you realize that there is a church today because God used David's family? Do you realize that, 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 that Israel has a future? Because God gave David the throne forever. So David says, you have spoken and confirmed it forever. Now do as you have spoken or God have your way because your way is best. David was disappointed because he wasn't allowed to build the house of God. But David doesn't focus on that. David focuses on God's will. Didn't Jesus pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done? That should be every Christian's prayer. Your will, nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. David says, no matter what you do with us, Lord, have your way with our lives. 1902. Last. 1902. Adelaide Pollard was hoping to go to Africa as a missionary. And despite her best efforts, she was unable to raise money needed to make the journey. In her great discouragement, she attended a prayer meeting. As she sat there, listen, she overheard this elderly woman pray, it really doesn't matter what you do with us, Lord. Just have your own way with our lives. Those words burn in Adelaide's heart. It really doesn't matter what you do with us, Lord. Just have your own way with our lives over and over. It really doesn't matter what you do with us, Lord. Just have your way in our lives. Before she went to bed that night, Adelaide Pollard wrote four stanzas of a poem. Anybody know what that poem is? Have thine own way, O Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. 
Mold me and make me after thy will while I'm waiting, yielded and still. Have thy way. God, do what you want to do. David says, you have spoken concerning your servant and his house. Confirm it forever. Do as you have spoken. I want to build you a house. God said, no. David, I'm going to build you a dynasty. And David begins to praise God for present promises. Praise God for past providence and praise for future promises. God gave promises. David believed them, appropriated them, and asked the Lord to fulfill them. Chapter 7. Next time, chapter 8. You don't want to miss it. This is a great, great, great chapter coming up. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.